0: Section 6 of Great Epics in American History, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anita Sloma Martinez. Great Epics in American History, Volume 1. Voyages of Discovery and Early Explorations. 1000 AD to 1682 by francis whiting halsey section six the discovery by columbus fourteen ninety two part one as described by washington irving it was early in the morning of friday the third of august fourteen ninety two that columbus set sail from the bar of saltes a small island formed by the rivers odiel and tinto in front of palos steering for the canary islands from whence he intended to strike due west as a guide by which to sail he had the conjectural map or chart sent him by paolo toscanelli of florence in this it is supposed the coasts of europe and africa from the south of ireland to the end of guinea were delineated as immediately opposite to the extremity of asia while the great island of sapango described by Marco Polo, lay between them, 1,500 miles from the Asiatic coast. At this island, Columbus expected first to arrive. On losing sight of this last trace of land, the hearts of the crews failed them, for they seemed to have taken leave of the world. Behind them was everything dear to the heart of man—country, family, friends, life itself before them everything was chaos mystery and peril in the perturbation of the moment they despaired of evermore seeing their homes many of the ragged seamen shed tears and some broke into loud lamentations columbus tried in every way to soothe their distress describing the splendid countries to which he expected to conduct them Promising them land, riches, and everything that could arouse their cupidity or inflame their imaginations. Nor were these promises made for purposes of deception, for he certainly believed he should realize them all. He now gave orders to the commanders of the other vessels, in case they should be separated by any accident, to continue directly westward, but that, after sailing seven hundred leagues, they should lay by from midnight until daylight as at about that distance he confidently expected to find land foreseeing that the vague terrors already awakened among the seamen would increase with the space which intervened between them and their homes he commenced a stratagem which he continued throughout the voyage this was to keep two reckonings one private in which the true way of the ship was noted and which he retained in secret for his own government the other public for general inspection in which a number of leaks was daily subtracted from the sailing of the ships so as to keep the crews in ignorance of the real distance they had advanced on the thirteenth of september in the evening columbus for the first time noticed the variation of the needle a phenomenon which had never before been remarked he at first made no mention of it lest his people should be alarmed but it soon attracted the attention of the pilots and filled them with consternation it seemed as if the very laws of nature were changing as they advanced and that they were entering another world subject to unknown influences they apprehended that the compass was about to lose its mysterious virtues and without this guide what was to become of them in a vast and trackless ocean columbus tasked his science and ingenuity for reasons with which to allay their terrors he told them that the direction of the needle was not to the polar star but to some fixed and invisible point the variation therefore was not caused by any fallacy in the compass but by the movement of the north star itself which like the other heavenly bodies had its changes and revolutions and every day described a circle round the pole the high opinion they entertained of columbus as a profound astronomer gave weight to his theory and their alarm subsided they had now arrived within the influence of the trade wind which following the sun blows steadily from east to west between the tropics and sweeps over a few adjoining degrees of the ocean with this propitious breeze directly aft they were wafted gently but speedily over a tranquil sea so that for many days they did not shift a sail columbus in his journal perpetually recurs to the bland and temperate serenity of the weather and compares the pure and balmy mornings to those of april in andalusia observing that the song of the nightingale was alone wanting to complete the illusion they now began to see large patches of herbs and weeds all drifting from the west Some were such as grow about rocks or in rivers, and as green as if recently washed from the land. On one of the patches was a live crab. They saw also a white tropical bird of a kind which never sleeps upon the sea. And tunny fish played about the ships. Columbus now supposed himself arrived in the weedy sea described by Aristotle, into which certain ships of Cadiz had been driven by an impetuous east wind as he advanced there were various other signs that gave great animation to the crews many birds were seen flying from the west there was a cloudiness in the north such as often hangs over land and at sunset the imagination of the seamen aided by their desires would shape those clouds into distant islands every one was eager to be the first to behold and announce the wished-for shore for the sovereigns had promised a pension of thirty crowns to whomever should first discover land columbus sounded occasionally with a line of two hundred fathoms but found no bottom martin alonzo pinzon as well as others of his officers and many of the seamen were often solicitous for columbus to alter his course and steer in the direction of these favorable signs but he persevered in steering to the westward trusting that by keeping in one steady direction he should reach the coast of india even if he should miss the intervening islands and might then seek them on his return the situation of columbus was daily becoming more and more critical the impatience of the seamen arose to absolute mutiny they gathered together in the retired parts of the ships at first in little knots of two and three which gradually increased and became formidable joining in murmurs and menaces against the admiral. They exclaimed against him as an ambitious desperado, who in a mad fantasy had determined to do something extravagant to render himself notorious. What obligation bound them to persist, or when were the terms of their agreement to be considered as fulfilled? They had already penetrated into seas untraversed by a sail, and where man had never before adventured. Were they to sail on until they perished, or until all return with their frail ships became impossible? Who would blame them should they consult their safety and return? The admiral was a foreigner, a man without friends or influence. His scheme had been condemned by the learned as idle and visionary, and discountenanced by people of all ranks. There was, therefore, no party on his side. rather a large number who would be gratified by his failure such are some of the reasonings by which these men prepared themselves for open rebellion some even proposed as an effectual mode of silencing all after complaints of the admiral that they should throw him into the sea and give out that he had fallen overboard while contemplating the stars and signs of the heavens with his astronomical instruments columbus was not ignorant of these secret cabals but he kept a serene and steady countenance soothing some with gentle words stimulating the pride or the avarice of others and openly menacing the most refractory with punishment new hopes diverted them for a time on the twenty-fifth of september martin pinzon mounted on the stern of his vessel and shouted land land senor i claim the reward there was indeed such an appearance of land in the southwest that columbus threw himself upon his knees and returned thanks to god and all the crews joined in chanting gloria in excelsis the ships altered their course and stood all night to the southwest but the morning light put an end to all their hopes as to a dream the fancied land proved to be nothing but an evening cloud and had vanished in the night he was now at open defiance with his crew and his situation would have been desperate but fortunately the manifestations of land on the following day were such as no longer to admit of doubt a green fish such as keeps about rocks swam by the ships and a branch of thorn with berries on it floated by they picked up also a reed a small board and above all a staff artificially carved All gloom and murmuring was now at an end, and throughout the day each one was on the watch for the long-sought land. They continued on their course until two in the morning, when a gun from the Pinto gave the joyful signal of land. It was first discovered by a mariner named Rodriguez Bermejo, resident of Triana, a suburb of Seville, but native of Alcala de la Guadaira but the reward was afterward adjudged to the admiral for having previously perceived the light. The land was now clearly seen about two leagues distant, whereupon they took in sail and laid to, waiting impatiently for the dawn. When the day dawned, Columbus saw before him a level and beautiful island, several leagues in extent of great freshness and verdure, and covered with trees like a continual orchard, though everything appeared in the wild luxuriance of untamed nature yet the island was evidently populous for the inhabitants were seen issuing from the woods and running from all parts to the shore they were all perfectly naked and from their attitudes and gestures appeared lost in astonishment at the sight of the ships columbus made signal to cast anchor and to man the boats he entered his own boat richly attired in scarlet and bearing the royal standard martin Alonso pinzon and vicente Yanez, the brother likewise put off in their boats each bearing the banner of the enterprise emblazoned with the green cross having on each side the letters f and y surmounted by crowns with the spanish initials of the castilian monarchs fernando and isabel as they approached the shores they were delighted by the beauty and grandeur of the forests the variety of unknown fruits on the trees which overhung the shores the purity and suavity of the atmosphere and the crystal transparency of the seas which bathed these islands on landing columbus threw himself upon his knees kissed the earth and returned thanks to god with tears of joy his example was followed by his companions whose breasts indeed were full to overflowing columbus then rising drew his sword displayed the royal standard and took possession in the names of the castilian sovereigns giving the island the name of san salvador he then called upon all present to take the oath of obedience to him as admiral and viceroy and representative of the sovereigns his followers now burst forth into the most extravagant transports they thronged around him some embracing him others kissing his hands those who had been most mutinous and turbulent during the voyage were now most devoted and enthusiastic some begged favors of him as of a man who had already wealth and honors in his gift many abject spirits who had outraged him by their insolence now crouched at his feet begging his forgiveness and offering for the future the blindest obedience to his commands. End of section six.